Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about uh, all the racing last week and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Fellas, how we doing? Hey, how's it going? You're very good. All right. So before we get into uh, the racing, we are grieving here a little bit at drafting the circuits um we've lost one of our own but i'm just going to throw this whole thing uh to richard and and let him break that news to you and then i'll chime in a bit richard all yours yeah thanks frank yeah i mean so often every week we we come on this show and and, and we talk about something that we're, we're all we're all passionate about you know our racing and, and and all the series you know around the world and and you know unfortunately at times you know you you, you have some you know, th- these events can can take the lives of some drivers. You know, doing what they love, and we 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 touch on that. And other times, we have to touch on drivers. Uh, you know, that are from from a bygone era, from you know when I was growing up or Frank was growing up, and we we touch on their their memory. But uh, as, as Frank mentioned, yeah, we we we, we lost one of our own um, this this last week. Uh, Gray Warren, for, for those of you listening that remember Gray, um, you know, one of the the sort of cornerstones of the show for, for, for a number of years. Um, unfortunately, hasn't been with us, you know, battling some health issues for the last, uh, last two years. And uh, unfortunately, earlier this week, a day after his 65th birthday, he succumbed to, uh, to cancer, which was a, was a real shame. Um, I first uh, met Gray uh, when I started at uh, Richard Childress Racing back in uh, early 2015. Um, I was this wide-eyed kid sort of thing who just moved over from Formula One teams in England, and you know there was a <laughs> a fair bit of uh, you know trepidation on my part about the move, and you know there was a bit of kickback from some of the guys that I was working with. You know, what's this you know kid coming over from to quote Talladega Nights Formula One? And uh, you know it was very much similar to that for those of you that know the movie. But Gray was. Gray was cut from a different cloth to most of the guys that we were working with. He, he, all he cared about was racing and he was fascinated by my stories and experiences in, in Europe. And um, as I was fascinated by his stories and experiences in NASCAR, it really, you know, talking to him and, and sharing those experiences really helped me get an understanding of what the sport was all about. And he was one of those guys that was, was 
you know, real racer at heart and, and, and dedicated to doing the job he loved. Uh, prior to being at uh, RCR, he'd been at um, Bill Davis Racing for a long time, which I think is probably where he made his name. Um, but you, you name it, Gray had done, the, done um, you know, what, what anything you could ever imagine in the sport. And uh, when I, so when I got to know him, he was running the parts department and the, and the um, at, uh, at RCR. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I dread to think the number of times when he bailed me out trying to, you know, managing to, to scrounge a sort of next day delivery on a part for, for something that I needed to get to the track or whatever it was. But, you know, he would always come through for you. And he was, uh, no, he was, he was a great guy. And um, unfortunately, we both were subject to the cuts at, uh, at RCR around about the same time. And, um, you know, we went separate ways, but uh, through, through this show, uh, you know, we kept in contact and, you know, I sort of became regular on here with, with Gray and Frank and, and, and Seth and uh, Louise, you, you sort of did a couple of shows with Gray there before, uh, before he had to, uh, you know, take a back step. Um, as, as, then, a matter, yeah, as, as a matter of fact, it was Gray that invited you to the show. I still remember yes. you. He goes, he goes, yep. I've, met, I've met the most amazing guy. He's from, <laughs> he's from, he's from England. He's worked in formula one. Uh, let, let's get him on as a guest. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so, so great, great brought you into to this yeah. little, little fall and with that us. Was show, yeah. We were just talking about, you know, that was show was when, when this was originally done live back in, you know, this, that must've been five years ago now, at least. Um, Easily. You know, yeah. Vastly different panel, but uh, yeah, it was a live show. And I was like, <laughs> remember my wife was listening to it in the, in the other room while I was on the, uh, in the bedroom, you know, recording it with you guys. And um, yeah, you know, and, and, and his, his enthusiasm and depth of knowledge for the sport. And he, you know, he's, he's, he was a sportsman as well, not just racing. You know, he did a lot of local sport in the North Carolina uh, area, a lot of high school basketball and, um, and, and all of that sort of uh, side of things. So he was, he was extremely well known in the area and very, very highly respected. And, uh, you know, for a long time, I think we'd all hoped that, uh, you know, he would have been able to be in a position to come back on the show. But um, I think from, you know, unfortunately some of the social media posts that him and his family have been putting out over the last, you know, few months, it would, um, you know, pretty obvious that uh, that was never going to happen. But uh, it's a great loss. You know, we re- really have. He, he was a really, really good guy, and he'd do anything you know for anybody to help anybody out. And uh, you know, he he was one of those guys that really helped me, you know, make that transition um, to come and work here. And you can't put a price on that when people do. And I, I've as much as possible tried to you know learn from that and help you know help other people coming over. I know a couple of guys that are moving over here from the UK in the next few months. And I want to try and, you know, carry on some of that support that, that, that Gray was able to give me um, because, yeah, I certainly wouldn't have been as comparatively successful doing what I was doing without the support of guys like Gray. He was, um, he was very, very special. And uh, yeah, Gray will be, he'll be, be seriously missed. He really will. Yeah. I mean, like when it comes to the show, you know, when I first joined the show, they had the established panel of, you know, uh, Candice, Ronnie, and and Gray. Uh, they had Michelle Rahal, who was uh, doing open wheel. I was invited to come on and do an open wheel segment every week, but but pretty much my role was to do my little IndyCar news and then shut up the rest of the show. <laughs> but you know, but but I you, you know you got you know me. I like to contribute, and I would try to 
chime in here and there. And then they, you know, it was, uh, maybe you should just do your IndyCar piece and uh, hang up. But it, but, <laughs> you know, but, but it was, but it was gray that, that encouraged me to contribute yeah. and, and, and be a part of the show. And then when those other folks left the show, um, it was, you know, it was me and Gray, and then we had, uh, you know, brought on you, Richard. We had, uh, you know, Joey Bars and Chris. Seth was uh, in there. Seth Chris, was in yeah. there. Yeah, we had, you know, the rotating panels, but Gray was there, and then somehow hosting the show fell into my lap. I didn't know if I could do that, but but Gray, Gray knew I could do it, and he was like, I, when we used to do the show, I always introduced Gray as my right-hand man. I said, you know, welcome to Driver Circus. Got my right-hand man, Gray Warren, with me, and, and he was right there. And, you know, if I stumbled on the air, if I misspoke or got a, a you know, a, a name wrong or a date wrong or a race winner wrong, he was right there to correct me, but, but never to make me look foolish. Right. We worked, no. we worked well together as a team. Again, Richard, he brought you into this show and, mm-hmm. and you and I have developed a great friendship from there as well. So, yep. uh, you know, oh, and, yeah. and yeah. just to, and just to look through, uh, uh, you know, Gray's social media and see how many people that oh. that, that really yeah. uh, loved and respected him. It's uh, you know, I mean, it, it sounds cliche to say, "Oh, he was a great man," but but he was, he was a, a great yeah. man. But but at the end of the day, you know, for me, he was my friend. Yep, and that's that's all that counts for me. So yeah, yeah, we miss yeah. you, Gray. Yeah, we miss you, Gray. Yep. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Mm, yeah. I know. Yeah. It's uh now this one hurt. This one hurt. Oh yeah. You know? so, I, yeah. Always, it, I always hoped he'd come back on the show. Yep. He'd, he'd text yep. me every yeah, now and yeah. again and ask how things were going, but uh, it just never felt, felt well enough to get back on. But yeah. Uh, so, mm. and now, now Louise, you got to talk to Gray a couple times. So, uh, and, and I know that you, uh, uh, you enjoyed his, his take as well. So uh, I'll give you a few moments to, uh, uh, you know, say say your goodbyes and tributes to Gray before we go ahead and talk about the week in racing. Yeah, as I was only there for a couple of times in 2018 when I used to talk through my phone and earbuds, which wasn't the greatest thing to do. So <laughs> that's why I didn't come into the fray until late tw- throughout last year. But yeah, he was a no. The couple times that I was on a noble guy and respectable and all and all that stuff of course how i found out about it was through tommy baldwin's facebook page of what happened where i learned a little bit more that mm-hmm. he was he was involved with bill davis racing especially the time when ward burden was driving for that team so he's a and within the time he was there he's accomplished a lot in his role for sure and oh. I th- and it kind of is on it's one of those unfortunate things where a guy in that community in that time period when I just started watching in 03, I didn't start watching NASCAR till that year, the year after Ward won the 500. So it's always the, it's, just, it's one of those things that is sad to see somebody from an era that's kind of viewed as a bygone era, yeah. lose their life as something like that. And so he'll be for sure sorely mm-hmm. missed. But, you know, just very quickly, I know we want to, you know, we want to move on and Gray wouldn't want it any other way. But, you know, you hate it. We, we get to situations like this and, you know, it, it's not until somebody passes away that, that you hear all these stories about them. And, you know, you'd wish you'd sort of known them earlier and be able to talk to them about it. But 
but to the same extent, Graves one of those very humble people who'd be like, oh, you know, that was nothing or whatever. Or, oh, you know, you know, it's, 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 God, it's terrible. I'm sure we've all been through it in our own personal lives. You know, you, you have a family member or a friend that passes away and then you, you sort of, you know, you, you hear about all of their history and their background and there's half the stuff that you never, never knew. And, and Gray was the same, you know, his, his history in the sport was, you know, relatively successful in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, you wouldn't, you know, know it. There was no pretentiousness about him. He was just no, one of no, the boys he, and he'd he didn't, help he anybody didn't, in whatever he, way he could. Yeah, he, he didn't flaunt it at all. No, no. And he's like, dude, when he should have known that because we could have talked about it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I, again, like I said, this one, this one hurt. Uh, Gray, we miss you. We love you. Uh your brother Mike, your your family, uh, your son, your daughter, and and, and your your two beautiful grandchildren. I, I know you guys are hurting, so uh, but uh, we are thinking about you and uh, Gray, we love you, man. So yep. Um yeah, yeah. So before I get before I get too verklempt, uh, let's let's move on. Let's let's move on and talk about Charlotte because I know if Gray was right here, he'd want to talk about that Charlotte race. Because sure. man, man, what a what a crazy race, Louise! You get you get a chance to watch all this nonsense. Primarily the tail end of Xfinity and all through the Cup race. So real quick on the Xfinity side of things, AJ Allmendinger rules it on the rollable once more. Brandon Brown, who won at Talladega, got turned and decided to finish backwards. Uh, pretty much how I tried to, rather than keep the car straight backwards, kind of what you saw with Brandon Brown coming backwards, swerving left and right. That's kind of how I am when it comes to a parking lot. Not ideal, <laughs> but it, it's if it, it works, got the job. Yeah, <laughs> it got the job done. And. A tip of the cap to Sam Mayer, who finally had luck in the site, albeit not the result he wanted because he, well, he missed the chicane. So he gave up what should have been a top five race, top three, to finish, to barely hang on to the top 10. Sage Karam also was in the verge of a top 10. He got problems that towards on the last lap as well. Ty Gibbs was towards the front, but he got turned by Mayer. So a lot of top five, top 10 runs that should have been didn't happen. Whereas Almendinger puts himself into the playoffs. Guys, uh, Harrison Burden, who won multiple times last year, is going to go to Cup next year, made it through the round of eight, while his cousin, while Jeb did not. And Jeb will not be back with colleague racing, in large part nutrition, agriculture being out of the sport. He doesn't have a ride for 2022. So once again, Jeb is on the outside looking in. Unlike Matt DiBenedetto, at least Burden has a win in his stock, which was the came this year at a Talladega, which was rain shortened, which ironically both Talladega races were shortened due to the weather with Jeb winning the spring one that ended due to heavy torrential downpour. And Brandon Brown won it via darkness because of those the race time being late and also the two red flags that involved Speaking involved, that involved Almendinger and Mayer. So Almendinger had a great bounce back from a disastrous Talladega to get to the next round. So it would be curious to see how Almendinger, Sendrick, and those guys fare, especially Harrison Burden, going forward. And under news and Xfinity, Michael Lynette is going to no longer be a full-time driver next season. I mean, it's kind of I kind of expected that to be because of his injuries, how he was going to attempt to run in Indianapolis, then he put somebody else in the car. 
And then on top of that, Josh Berry was able to win in Michael's car at Las Vegas. So I think the writing on the wall was there. And I think Michael said it best with Bob to Bob Parker or in the media scrum. I think it was directly to Bob that a lot has changed to where he wants to kind of his viewpoint in life has changed to where he just want to scale back a bit. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And Michael only has that one win at Daytona in 2019, but he's been, he's kind of like not the worst driver out there. He's been pr- pretty decent, but I feel like there's been a couple things that kind of hurt his career. Obviously, one, this injury at Talladega at Daytona many, many years ago certainly set him back a ton. Then, obviously, going to Cup for a couple of years where it kind of led him to no- nowhere. He's one of very few drivers to have 100 Cup stars without a top 10. So be curious to see how many more races will Annette plan to drive. I imagine he'll drive Phoenix since that, but that's going to be the last one as a full-time driver. But we'll see how he goes about things. Yeah, but you got to really look at AJ Allmendinger as a serious contender. Oh, he's been a contender all year. For his Xfinity title. And here's a guy who's got a really mixed career of um, successes across the board in different series. But uh, this is, you know, one of the first time he's really putting his stamp on a season. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think Austin Cindric should be sweating bullets, uh, you know, to not repeat his champion. I think Almondinger oh, looks looks good week in and week out. So so as long as he doesn't have a mulligan going forward, Almondinger or Cindric for the championship battle, I think that's going to be the big thing. Because I don't see anybody else outside of that really – Showing a threat aside from Justin Allgaier. He's the only other one I can see that could crash this party of Almondinger and Cindric. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but even then, that's a long shot. So, but let's talk about the cup race. Yeah. Because the uh, cup race was high drama, uh, mm-hmm. largely and, thanks to the little rivalry, or maybe it's a large rivalry between us. Uh, it's kind of become the <laughs> biggest rivalry that has actually had leverage, rather than this is all one off incident or two off. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think this one is, you know, it goes, it goes beyond uh, Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano or Dale Earnhardt and Daryl Waltrip. This is, you know, straight up. uh, We're talking and we're talking about Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick and, and Harvick for his point, you know, he literally dumped Chase Elliott, put him in the wall thinking if I get chase out of the race, that's going to guarantee me a spot in the playoffs doesn't quite take chase out of the race. Uh, but, I but mean, chase, Kyle Larson was also on the outside looking in for a good bit too. Yeah. 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 But, but then, you know, and, and, and if you listen to radio transmissions, 
you know, uh, Chase gets back in the race. They fixed that uh, bumper that was falling off. And they, then he says, all we got to do is wreck Harvick. And then that locks us in. Of course, he doesn't even make it up to Harvick before Harvick feels the pressure and puts himself in the wall, knocks himself out. It's like Hollywood can't write a better script for a, a comedy. No, it, no, this whole thing has just been pure comedy from everything. I know Rick Hendrick wants to stop, wants this to end with all of that. I mean, he who better than he's he went through it and with Bodine and Earnhardt in the late 80s. I think he's, that's kind of what he's deja vu, what he's seen from Harvick and Elliot. It's kind of what he endured when Bodine and Earnhardt wouldn't stop wrecking each other for a couple for a number of years. And I yeah. get it, but I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm old, I'm old enough to remember that, yeah. Yeah, it's like I get where he's coming from. It's like the only way it's going to stop is between them or NASCAR does step in. If I mean Chase Elliott pretty much said it like Happy Holidays, no, what was it? A Merry Holiday Season and Happy Christmas. And lo and behold, I said this, I even tweeted about it in the back of my mind. If Elliott makes it in with that wrecked bucket in a similar way like Kyle Larson did a couple years ago, watch them make a shirt out of it. Lo and behold, they did make a shirt, but not from the red car, but from his comment to Harvick. So at the end of the day, they're making money out of this rivalry. Uh, well, Elliot's camp, because whoever's running the Elliot marketing stuff is gets it from that perspective. I yeah, think so, it's going to uh, so really we, put Harvick in an uptight scenario to where maybe Harvick will probably, well, he didn't, Elliot didn't took out Harvick. Harvick took himself out. Harvick took himself out before Chase could get to him. Yeah. yeah. But, 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 but here's the thing, right? So Harvick now out of the chase has nothing to lose. Yeah. And it's the first thing he's and, not. And this, and, and and this ever. is exactly. So now you've got to uh, wonder, is this another, you, you know, uh, if you recall a couple of years ago where Matt Kenseth with nothing to lose, uh, took out Joey Logano with everything to lose very intentionally. Took the penalty and said, okay, yeah, did what it did. Um, I, I don't know if uh, Harvick has that in them, in him, but unless Harvick blocks out riled the up, Elliot, yeah. unless Harvick, unless Harvick blocks out the Elliott comments, just no sells it, then I think that's it's gonna fizzle out. But if he did took it personally, who knows? I don't know him not well at all. Then maybe it may not be over, but we'll see. If it comes out to Elliott and Harvick for the win. I'm pretty sure that's when it's going to really escalate big time. Just watch. That's only if Harvick's in position to win. But See, as that, you mentioned, and that's the, to lose. That, that's the unfathomable thing right now that Harvick, who won nine races last year, is winless going into the round of eight. Uh, that man has not seen a checkered flag this year. This is, I think... This is, reminds me of like Jeff Gordon in 08 having like what seven, six or seven wins in 07, 30 top tens, and Gordon just could not find a way to win at all. It was 08 was his worst, genuinely his worst season in my book, not 2010, because 2010 he should have won five or six times, but just couldn't get it done due to just ridiculous circumstances. But to the point is, he's definitely had the championship contention hangover horrendously. Hamblin. Yeah, he didn't win, but at least Hamlin has been up there with Larson as far as race finishes, strong results, race in and race out. Now he's just have wins to his table to back it up. Harvick has not been able to do that at all this year. Yeah, and, and Hamlin is looking like a championship favorite right now. 
He's he's oh, kind yeah. of he's kind of uh, yeah after having a a very consistent but winless regular that, season, exactly regular, regular season. He's peaking at the right time, as are the the the, the Penske. All three Penske guys are in the which is the, which is the round the of eight, that- right? Which is my surprise is this playoffs, how the Penske's made it this far. Because like I mentioned at the very beginning, I just did not have confidence on Keselowski or Logano making it far compared to Blaney. And now all three of them are in the round of eight. Yeah. So now, Richard, you've been quiet over there. I have, yes. I, have, I have to say that once per show. So, exactly. So the Charlotte Roval as a track, okay? Yeah. Um, it certainly delivers a good show. But yep. uh, but 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 is it pure racing? I mean, it's uh, you know you, you and I grew up watching guys uh, drive on road courses to perfection, right? And try to mm-hmm. and these it just the, the whole the driving itself is very sloppy at the Roval. It's it's very sloppy. The you know, guys are going way over the track limits, you know, and knocking one another out. Uh, yeah. But but I think uh, you know mm-hmm. I, I, yeah I feel like it's more of a uh, you know, more of an entertainment value than a uh, pure road racing. But at the end of the day, it is fun to watch. It is. And I, mean, I think what you have to realize is you, you're to a certain extent, you're trying to fit a, you know, a square peg into a round hole with these cars. Fundamentally, these cars are not designed at their core for road racing. They're designed for oval race. You know, they're, they're designed for ovals. So you are compromising massively with vehicle performance and vehicle dynamics and vehicle setup to to make it work. So you're always going to be compromised. So there are always going to be limitations into what the drivers can do. However, it's getting better. You know, you even... You've got to give them credit. A lot of the guys that you would consider a, a hopeless at road racing have, in the last three or four years, have massively stepped up and have been semi-competitive. Um, and you look at, so I think Monday, Tuesday, they were actually testing the next-gen car uh-huh. at, um, at the Roval. And they actually put some lap times out. And they were like five seconds a lap faster, some of them. Um, I think Denny Hamlin did one lap where he must have missed a chicane off because he was like four seconds faster than anybody else. But um, I think on the whole, yeah, I think there's a lot more speed in those new, new cars. And that will come from the suspension geometry and the configuration of those. You know, you, you go to fully independent suspension um, and the car's more evenly balanced. You don't have this big left side weight bias like you do on a conventional cup car at the moment. Uh, so I think next year it'll, it will be better. Yeah, they could probably do a few things to tighten up uh, some of the driving standards, should we say. Um, you know, these are big, heavy cars. And if they can bounce a curb, they will bounce a curb. You know, <laughs> a little a little sausage curb in there isn't going to swell. They did it at Indianapolis, didn't they? It's <laughs> wrecked half the field. But yeah, put a few of those curbs from turn six at Indianapolis around the Roval, and you'd be sorted. <laughs> yeah, Just ask Jay Logano. I mean, for for me, the interesting thing when we get to these, you know, infield road courses uh, on ovals like Indianapolis or like Charlotte, is that, that the cars never spread out. Yeah, you know, you see a no. Formula One race or an IndyCar race, 
uh, the cars will spread out. The NASCAR cars stay bunched. And, well, and, and, and that's and purely due to the aerodynamics. Exactly. But, but, but the amount of guys who said, oh, that 29 spun me, the 48 spun me, that, you know, you know, it's yeah. just uh, because they're yeah. so they're so evenly mashed. But um, again, to your point, the next car, the Gen 7 car is built more like an IMSA car. Um, yep. with with like you said the independent suspension and it's more proper it's more proper race car i mean that'll yeah that'll offend some you know nascar purists to say this i'll is say a, this this is a proper race car but i feel like we might see a little little bit of that um you know uh spreading but, out spreading out of the field i'll say this though yeah Real quick, I know if I remember, they were working close with Action Express, which is the yes. Wheeland IMSA team that are fighting for a championship right now, as well with mm-hmm. Felipe Nasser and who? Pipo Durrani. Um, Pipo Durrani. Yeah. Yeah. And what I know about how I looked at the car more than ever, I did notice it's kind of have a it's kind of like a blend in of a, the look of a Gen Six, but also kind of how the '90s stock car looked. A little bit how curvy it is on the side on the front and rear bumpers that kind of gave me that late 90s vibe quite yeah. a bit yeah i mean they they again they keep going to try to you know match them as much as possible with the commercially available mm-hmm. vehicle that they're supposed to replicate obviously i mean the truck um, series are kind of doing that next year now they kind of look yeah. like their counterparts except toyota's just doesn't look aesthetically pleasing to the mm-hmm. eye <laughs> the Ford, the Ford. No, I think that's the Ford that I don't remember. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know that. I know there's got a few changes in there, but there's got to be areas where the teams can differentiate themselves and the, the manufacturers can differentiate themselves. But uh, I, I also think it's a generational thing as well. I think as long as NASCAR keeps up with this road course um, calendar, in terms of having five or six road courses in a season rather than the two they had for a long period of time. As we get into the next generation of driver talent and driver pool that will natu- through natural progression, I think you're going to see better racing because these guys that are com- coming through will you know, have, to, have to be very, very skillful um, road course racers. And it may also encourage more kids that learn on the road courses to go into you know, the truck series and the Xfinity and NASCAR rather than just purely the kids that do like the midgets and the quarter mile stuff. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that happens and, 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 and how that progresses. But um, see, that's it. I think, a, I think we're in this very, balance at the moment. That's a very interesting topic to bring up because uh, you know, the, the reason why guys that uh, do quarter midgets and, and dirt track and, um, USAC don't get into indie cars because the, the the training is not proper. You know, you you're better off yeah. to do you better off to do like Skip Barber, SCCA, Lucas Oil, and then get in the road to indie program. But if NASCAR is going to go to a more road course heavy schedule, it, does that mean that we're going to have another major race series that shuts out the USAC dirt guys and the USAC pavement guys? Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't I, think I, so. And I'm not saying next year. I'm saying five, six, ten seven, yeah. five, six, seven, ten years down the road. Is that is that where we're heading? 
I mean, in all fairness, you I mean, know, we've been you, talking can, about you, can, you could flip that. You know, you can flip that. And who won? Who won last week at the Roval? Um. Well, we haven't talked about that. Big, the, in the uh, that's right. We haven't. Well, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, what's his background? Oh, yeah, it's straight yeah. up, straight up USAC dirt. Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. Say, you know, so, that's kind of how you know, if you people have heard of him in the decade ago. Yeah, if you have a guy with with pure talent, you know they can that they will adapt and they will grow. You look at Jimmy Johnson. From my understanding, Jimmy Johnson started out, you know, in 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 driving, you know, and I think Jeff Gordon was the same. They both started out driving single seater sort of. Series um, or more road cars. Yeah, I want to say Jim, well, Gore, Jimmy Johnson Jimmy. was off road. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson was yeah. driving off road trucks. Um, yeah, and, and so, Jeff, you know, Jeff Gordon was uh, USAC single seaters. So you know, look, they did okay for themselves in tin tops, didn't they? You know. <laughs> yeah, I think the big thing is like now it's going to be. We talked about how the USAC drivers going to IndyCar has been real, been tough for 50 plus years. I know Robin, Robin Miller, God bless his soul, was vocal, was the main guy kind of reminding us all that it's just tough for these USAC guys to really get into IndyCar. To where, like, I know Dahari and I briefly discussed about it back in the month of May. If a Cody Swanson wants to make it to the Indianapolis 500, he probably has to go through the road at Indy. The same with Ernie Francis Jr., like, he's multi super successful Trans Am champion. Looks like he's going to get an Indy Lights test out of it. Looks like that's where he might end up, open wheels right in the stock car route. Frank, you want to mention Austin Sindrick now? Yeah, Austin Sindrick has uh, made the comment that his road, to, his road to the Indy 500 goes through NASCAR, yeah, which makes no sense, but hey. It's an in-joke on this show. Well, yeah, but, but, but now, <laughs> I mean, he's going to cup for Ben. Uh, I, I was going to yeah. say, now, now that you got Jimmy Johnson there, why not? You know what I mean? Jimmy Johnson's road yeah. to uh, the Indy 500 well, went through cup, but uh, yeah. In, in, but, in, um, in all fairness, Austin, Austin Sindrich's road to the Indy 500 is probably through his dad's it's his dad's phone number rather than anything certainly else. certainly yep and, and yeah, compared but, uh, to where he compared to where he was three years ago he's actually he's got it together he's the oh, one yeah. that's yeah, yeah he's got it together we'll see how he does in the top level though and that's the thing yep. that if whenever ty gibbs goes to cup maybe in a yep, couple years situation, yeah we'll see because yeah. ty did not start it too good until Last year, late 2019, this in this past year alone. Oh, he's been impressive. He's been incredibly impressive. Yeah. And, you were, know. And, everybody one side, of the, yeah. and then everybody one side, of the... they view him as the top young talent over Sam Mayer. The mayor, yeah. I view him more high regard because he, he doesn't really come from, per se, from like, I, don't quote me on that because yeah. I can't remember exactly. But he comes from a different background. And the same thing I view with Jesse Love, who's in the going for a second Arca West championship. He does some of the dirt in the short track. So be curious to see in the coming years where he goes. Does he want to be a successful dirt racer or he wants to try to be a successful stock car driver? So who won the Roval? <laughs> you mentioned it now. I know Kyle, Larson. Kyle, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson won the Roval, okay? Yeah. There we go. Guys, guys. Joey right. Head did not finish eighth, unfortunately. He got taken out on somebody else's mess that Truex got so mad about. Well, I mean, Louise, that was the craziest prediction ever for you to decide who's going to finish eighth. So, but let's, yeah. uh, 
Where, where are we off to next? We're off to Texas. Off to Texas, okay? So find out who's going to be our first man going to the championship four. All right. So, okay. So our eliminated drivers are Kevin Harvick, Harvick, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell. Right. All the drivers that name that starts with a the, the <laughs> last name starts with a B and Harvick. Uh, same yeah. guys that they were above the cut. Uh, they were below the cut last week. So, so now we're down but to we've got uh, three, three, th- three, four races to go. Right in this season, we, including the championship finale, of Phoenix. We just have three more races to decide who's going to be battling for the title at Phoenix. Same goes for Xfinity Truck Series. Just has Martinsville to decide the championship for lineup. Right, and we have left in the thing. We've got all three Penske cars. Right, mm-hmm. three out of four Gibbs cars, mm-hmm. and two Hendrick cars. That is correct. Which is pretty much on the Hendrick. The it's pretty much built up. Aside from I, pretty much the drivers that have been the most consistent all season long are in this battle now. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I mean, as it is, so um, who do you like for Texas? I mean, look no further than. Kevin Kyle Larson, but since Keslowski is still in this and he's, yeah, I know the road courses were not kind to him. I know he got knocked around multiple times at the Robo as well. I think he'll make the big, I think he pulls the upset. I think Keslowski could get it done and put it, punch himself into the championship four. I think he can do it. He was, remember, I look back to the all-star race a little bit to see how, to see if there's a way to how they do. The difference is there'll be no PJ one at Texas. It's going to be all resin. I think that's what they did in Nashville, and it, which I think could favor an outsiders like the Ganassis of Kurt Busch and Ross Chastain. But other than Keselowski, I think you'd look no further than Kyle Larson probably being the first man punching his ticket to the championship for. And okay, so we- are you picking Larson or Keselowski? This was a really simple yeah. question, and you're overcomplicating it. As always, As I just always. wanted to bring. I, <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up Keselowski real quick, but I think at the end of the day, <laughs> look no further than Larson. Probably okay. getting it. All done. right, all right. If you're if you're gonna pick Larson, I'll pick Keselowski. Richard, who do you like? Oh, I mean, I was. I think it's hard to look past Larson. Isn't it? I hate to hate to steal your pick there, but yeah, I, here, I'm here, to here, 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 on that one. Oh, so you can double up on Larson. All right, so I think so. Yeah, it's hard not to. I don't think. I think he's just got that little bit extra. He does. Yeah, he has all year. All right, so Formula One was in Turkey. Um, they were indeed. They Valtteri Bottas got his first win of the season. He did indeed. Yep. So let's uh, let's go over Turkey real quick, and then then after that, let's talk about this. Uh, Story that, that involves Alfa Romeo, Colton Herta, and Michael Andretti. Yeah, so uh, back in Turkey again. Um, you know, again, Turkey is one of those tracks we've talked about that sort of really benefited from the the global crisis we've we've had in the last eighteen months or so. And again, it put on a a, a pretty good show. Uh, they re resurfaced the track from last year when it was like trying to watch Bambi on ice uh, with those guys spinning all over the place last year in that. Uh, on that crazy surface. Um, 
drier this year through uh, Friday and Saturday, but then Sunday, it was this sort of weird weather, really. It was sort of raining a little bit, but it was never, it was pretty cold out there. It was never really warm enough for, for the rain to lift. And um, so everybody was pretty much on medium tyres for the whole race. I think Seb Vettel did like one lap on, um, on, on slick tyres and he spanned that many times. I think distance wise, he probably drove two laps. But uh, yeah, he was the only guy that had been on slick tyres in the 2020 and 2021 Turkish Grand Prix and he, he managed one lap from. But uh, no, I think given the fact that they knew or they had a pretty good odds it was going to be a wet race, um, Mercedes took the decision to re- replace the internal combustion engine on Lewis's car, uh, which would give him a 10 place grid penalty. Uh, as opposed to Max Verstappen, who had the back of the grid start in Russia because they replaced every component in the engine. So the MG UK, the internal combustion engine, the hybrid system, all of those things were replaced on the Red Bull. Mercedes, they just replaced their um, internal combustion engine. So although Hamilton put a fantastic lap together, he uh, ended up starting the, the race uh, back in 11th and Valtteri inherited the pole from Max, who was, was second. And uh, throughout the, the race, really, you know, yeah, it was intermediate tyres for the whole race. Um, Valtteri sort of held that position off the lead and, and drove a fantastic race and, and dominated the race, really. Any time Verstappen or somebody could get close, he, he, you know, he managed to put, you know, extend the gap and uh, they played the pit stop, pit stop strategy perfectly. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty much a very nondescript, no drama race with Valtteri there. Behind you had some guys were thinking, you know, can we do the full race on one set of inters? And there's obviously the big fallout from the public disagreement, should we say, between Lewis and his team on the radio, uh, where Lewis wanted to stay out when he was running third, I think. Um, And he pitted, which dropped him back to fifth, which is where he stayed. So he was sort of questioning, have they lost some points there? Because if he had finished third, I think he would have maintained the lead in the championship. Whereas now with uh, Max coming second and Lewis finishing down in fifth, uh, Max has, has, has retaken the lead in the championship. Now, um, now, now uh, weren't Lewis's tires starting to show? Oh, yeah. The, the canvas? Now, yeah, uh, so... Uh, yeah, well, some... I don't think they were showing the canvas, but they were certainly, they were bald and they were blistering which is where the, the surface actually starts to boil. Um, and because these tyres are not designed to be run on a dry track. And although it wasn't perfectly dry, there, were, there was a dry line starting to appear on certain areas of the track. And that's why you typically see like on, on the, the front and back straights when they're in this sort of crossover phase, it'll start to cool the tyres down because either they will start to blister and, and fail. Um, now, I think... Esteban Ocon actually did manage to run the whole race on one set of tyres, but I think he struggled in the last five or so laps and did lose a number of places. So I think it was probably justified taking that, making that call to pit, considering what could have happened. And we only have to look back to China in 2007 when Lewis was in a very, very similar position um, in his first season in Formula 1 with a chance to win the championship and didn't pit on tyres that were worn and actually crashed entering the pit lane because his tyres were were literally down to the canvas in that situation. So I, I think that obviously Mercedes have 
a huge amount of data available to them when they make these strategy calls. The only thing they don't have is the driver feedback and the driver's sensation and feel and that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's who do you believe? And I think in the situations like that, yeah, Lewis is never going to want to pick. He's always going to want to stay, try and stay and achieve maximum points. But, but on the flip side, the team are the one that, um, you know, who were had the ability to make the calm, calculated decision. Yeah, it did cost him leading the championship. But given the alternative, where he had maybe spun out, or maybe he did have a complete tire failure and didn't score any points, it was the sensible logical, boring decision to make, should we say. Fair enough. So we've got uh, Max has a, what is it, four or five point lead right now? We've got two, two or three point lead. Very close anyway. Yeah, so yeah. yeah I it's, think it's yeah. four probably. Yeah, but whoever, if somebody wins a race, if Lewis wins a race, he'll go back ahead of Max. You know, they're not close enough that Max can be like, oh, well, you know, we, we, we're, we're a long way off you know, yeah. who needs to finish where. But one of the things that did come out of this weekend is that, um, you know, Red Bull are not questioning, should we say, but certainly making noises around the Mercedes engine performance coming out of um, the last couple of races anyway. They're definitely, um, you know, in Russia, given the weather conditions and like that Mercedes engine did look very, very strong. And again, during the practice sessions in Turkey, when the running was dry, the Mercedes engine did look very, very strong. Now, there are certain things that, you know, all these engines are, the designs are um, homogenized. So in theory, you can't bring out an engine upgrade mid-season, but there are certain things they can do to the engines to, in the name of reliability. And I think certain, a bit like the aerodynamics they had going into this season, there's a token system where they can make, make some changes, which is why you've seen Ferrari replace Charles Leclerc and um, Carlos Sainz's engines in the last couple of weeks. So there is some performance improvements coming there, but Mercedes certainly appear to have stepped up their game uh, in the last, last two or three races there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that battle continues through uh, Austin in a couple of weeks in the rest of the season. Certainly, yeah. So we are off to Austin. Uh, the some of the stuff has arrived. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, via via plane. So uh, we got another week off before we run that race in uh, Texas. So we'll have to see how that plays out, and we can talk about that a little more next week. But before we finish up, speaking of Formula One in the United States. The, the story of Michael Andretti buying out the Sauber team, whether it be a minority or a, ma- a majority share, is grown some real legs with the media. Mm-hmm. And, and this started out as just a couple of tweets here and there, but now like every major news uh, outlet has picked this up and, and they're pegging Colton Herta to be that, you know, take that uh, seat next to... Mm-hmm. Uh, Bottas at the Alfa Romeo. As far as yeah. I'm as far as I'm concerned, yeah, Michael has expressed interest in buying a Formula One team. Yes, he has uh, began a company to uh, acquire capital. Yes, he has a bunch of backing from uh, Gainbridge, who was uh, a very cash rich company. 
Um, but uh, nothing beyond that is decided. Nothing has been oh. stated publicly from Andretti other than, yeah, if the right opportunity come around, we jump at it. And mm-hmm. uh, a- a- as far as Colton Hurt is concerned, he's been pretty quiet himself. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you guys yeah. think this story has real legs or is it just, well, uh, you know, some IndyCar off season. Let's try to get some, uh, clicks on our website. Well, I, I think th- it's a double barrel story. I think, um, I think the, the, the two issues are, you know, the, the, the Andretti investing in a Formula one team and the, the Colton Herter story. So if, if you take them separately, I think. You look at Michael Andretti's portfolio in, in racing, and the one thing he doesn't have is a Formula One team. Um, he's certainly building a an automotive and motor racing empire, um, you know, with the brand and the name um, going forward. So it's a logical next step. However, the budget to run a Formula One team is probably five times combined all of his other motorsport activities. So it, it, it's it's nothing to be sniffed at. You know, you need to have the financial backing to do that. And not the financial backing for a year, but the financial backing for five or 10 years. Just gas Gene Haas, you know, on that level. Um, you know, you the, the um, you don't make much money out of these deals, really, in reality, in the grand scheme of things. Um, as the team, the sponsors are the ones that make the money from the exposure standpoint. Now, if you look at the deal, it would probably be just... a uh, we're going to take over the running of the team and they will stay based in Switzerland, that they won't have any US, um, maybe some marketing and PR stuff on the same, similar signs that uh, what, uh, what Haas F1 has, but it would be very, very, very limited. Um, you know, there, there won't be any technical aspect based out of the US because there's no need. I mean, yeah, Alpha haven't exactly been knocking on the door of, of regular point scoring, um, you know, for the last few years, unfortunately, but they have a fantastic facility there. They have some great engineering staff and, you know, you'd like to think that if somebody does come in and, and buy a majority holding in the company, then they'll bring a budget to help improve and invest in those facilities. Um, the, the second side of the argument is obviously this Colton Herter scenario. And, you know, we've discussed it and I've been, I've been, you know, relatively vocal on, on the show at times, the kid makes too many mistakes. He, he makes too many mistakes even for IndyCar. You know, and there's one thing you look at a Formula 1 driver, you know, the number of the mistakes they make. And if you are a top Formula 1 driver, you can count the number of mistakes they make in a season on one hand. You know, you can count, in all fairness, the number of mistakes Colton Hurts has made in a weekend on one hand sometimes. And that's just he's 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 young and he's inexperienced his learning. But unfortunately, in Formula One, that's no excuse. You had guys like, um, you know, Max Verstappen coming in at twenty what at seventeen and, and not making mistakes. And Carlson's what 21, 22 now. So he's, twenty-one. Yeah. So I mean, he, if he actually joined the grid, say he didn't say he joined the grid in twenty twenty-three. You know, let's take twenty twenty-two at the question. Say he joined it in twenty twenty-three. So he'd be 22, 23. That's old by an F1 rookie standard these days. Yeah, he'll have a few years in IndyCar under his belt. But I, unless, the only way he will do it is if he, I'll, I'll be blunt, if he wins the championship next year and wins it comfortably. I think the kid has the raw speed, as we saw at 
um, you know, some of those races towards the end of the season. Yeah, mind you, he was out of the championship battle, but he is damn quick. And I mean, it was Laguna Seca, wasn't it? He dominated that race. Nobody got even close to him. And that's the level he has to be at week in, week out. If he can go there, you know, there's no reason in IndyCar next year he can't win seven or eight races in the calendar at least purely on his his raw natural talent and he has to do that if he doesn't do that or and, and i mentioned this in one of our group chats he has a fantastic benchmark next season at andretti in roman grosjean you know grosjean is a good solid f1 driver he would still do a decent job for most of the teams out there the reason he left, you know, reason he left Haas is because the money situation, and he didn't have that X factor name, or branding, or financial backing. You know, he could still do a job and as be as quick as anybody out there on the Formula One grid. So if Herder comes along and comfortably beats Grosjean on a regular basis next year, then again, that'll make people sit up and take note. If he struggles against Grosjean. You know, I, I think it'll be it'll it'll seriously question his future. Um, you know, and as there's been some articles out there, you know, would he be better off sticking in IndyCar if he's not in that, that position um, to do so? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I think that the Andretti buying into Sauber or slash Alfa Romeo has some legs. I think the yep. Colton Herta as a driver is something completely dreamed up by racing journalists. Uh, but that's just me. But speaking of yeah, things completely, just, speaking of things completely dreamed up, let me throw this out here that I dreamed up. Um, you know how there's been some rumors about uh, you know the Volkswagen Audi Porsche group being interested in maybe getting back into Formula One. Well, uh, you know Michael, McLaren? Wow, huh? Rumors about Audi buying McLaren. Yes. Okay. So. No, hear me out here. No, not right? that one. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, not not that. No, this is something I'm making up on my own. I'm, I'm gonna oh, start. Boy. I'm gonna start my own rumor. Okay. So, but you know, Michael runs Volkswagen in his World Rally team. There's mm-hmm. a couple of rumors that Volkswagen Porsche Audi Group want to get into Formula One. Michael, really, realistically, like you said, need a whole lot more budget, like maybe a manufacturer to uh, step behind him. Could could you see that? Vol- I think Vol- it, again, it would have Volkswagen to be- AG, Michael Andretti racing in Formula One. I don't know. Yeah, I just made it something. up. Well, something. You yeah. need you need you need something. And again, you know, again with these new engine rules coming in in twenty twenty six, you know, maybe you know that, that is part of the discussion. You know, Andretti's looking at this as okay. I can get myself in now, become established, create that foundation, and then somebody comes along in, in three or four years with an engine partnership and an engine backing. Right. And, and, attract um, a, and, yeah. and then be the de facto factory team. Yeah. Although that, um, that Ferrari link with, you know, the, the, the Hinwell based team, apart from those few years when it was BMW, so I would do run pretty deep, pretty deep there. Yeah, so we'll have to see all, how all that pans out. But <laughs> but anyway, um, briefly on the Herta thing, I as you mentioned, twenty twenty two is going to be big for Colton to really deliver, especially with those super license. To where if he really wants to go to F one in twenty twenty three, he's going to have to have a championship year 
And I know he's capable of doing that, but he's got to eliminate those inconsistencies and those mistakes that he made since his rookie year, honestly, in 2019. Where when he's on it, he's really on it. And when he's not, he's just there. And you cannot have both if you're going to be in the mix. An IndyCar, you got to have pretty much almost a really good season from start to finish. You cannot flounder or have a mulligan. I look further with Sebastian Bourdais. Like every for a couple of years, he started off the year winning St. P. Things looked good. And then one incident and that knocked him out of the championship trail for the rest of the year and never recovered. Graham Ray Hall's another example. Will Power. There, there. Well, difference is Will Power has fight for wins on a regular basis than Graham, but one mulligan, one bad lock, boom, out of contention. Even Dixon, only one win this past season. Just could not. He was still having those Dixon runs, but not as strong as he was. And then Laguna happened, and just never. And then, of course, the crash of Gateway didn't do him any wonders at all. So, you just got to be on it from start to finish as best as possible. You could kind of get away with one DNF, but that one DNF better be made up really, really well. Because Boy, hey, you better help your other competitors DNF as well. But, yeah. but before we um, sign off for the night, we only got about five minutes left. I do want to mention the, um, speaking of IndyCar, the story of Jack Harvey, who, uh, oh, yeah, 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 in the, the worst kept secret ever. Jack Harvey was announced as the driver for uh, Rahel Letterman, Lanigan, uh, but not in the 30 car, as we all expected. He was announced as the 45 car, which is the high V car, which is very interesting because high V had stated quite publicly they wanted an American driver in that car. Uh, Jack Harvey, who has a, you know, despite having a very nondescript, could be American name like Ed Jones, uh, you know, Jack Harvey is a product of the UK. So that leaves the 30 car up for speculation. Um, or it also makes you wonder, uh, has everything fallen through for Rahel to really expand to three cars? I mean, where the, will there be no 30 car? Or that 30 car becomes the all-star lineup. I've heard somebody said maybe this Christian Lundgaard takes the 30. I don't know how much leverage. That's, in see, that see, one. The, that's the hot rumors that Lundgaard takes that. And Lundgaard has some funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's odd because you would, you would imagine that uh, Lundgaard would take the 30 because Ivy wanted an American guy in the 45. But I, I mean, what, what did we do? Would, did we, did we uh, pass off Jack Harvey as an American? Oh, Jack Harvey, he's American. There you go, Hy-Vee. <laughs> you know? So. But yeah. But, uh, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Lungard's got some, uh, there's some legs to that story. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's wild that uh, when they announced it, everyone thought Jack Harvey was going to the 30. Mm-hmm. And the 45 was going to go to, oh, perhaps Santino or maybe Oliver Askew or perhaps yeah. Lungard. Um, helpful. But, we know it could have been Hunter Rafe, but that's not likely now. Hey, yeah, you know, you know that they they could have put Graham Rahal on a forty-five, give Hyvie their American guy, and true, you know, they, they could have moved that around, but or do what move things around. But I would seriously love to see Rahal running three cars full time, and I hope that still happens. 
I think that's the plan, and uh, I think that's been the plan for a while. I was just curious who they put in that car. What I do know is that you mentioned it. Well, yeah, you could put it could put Graham in the forty-five, but still be the fifteen teams. Just kind of like with Hedrick with the number switch. This the origin is still with X. What? Oh, here we go again. I'm not going to go into that whole Hendrick ancestral thing, but I'll leave that for some. I'll leave that on hold. But you get the point. No, I get, move- the, I, I get the point. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, uh, Graham, uh, Graham, rather Jack Harvey is uh, been announced for Hivey. Mm-hmm. You know, photographed in the Hivey colors and everything. So Hivey is evidently pretty good with Jack Harvey. Yeah. And, think, and, and, and why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be? I think Jack Harvey has the potential to win some races if he, uh, you know, gets a better race strategist than he had with Michael. Yeah, Schein. that's the you same. Know, the race saying, crap yeah. needs work. Qualifying yeah, is yeah. on it. We don't yeah, have yeah. to question it. Yeah, yeah, we we know the guy can drive. It just, you know, it's like Michael Shank Racing decides to say, well, let's take a. Uh, pretty good strategy and instead substitute something that, had, that gives us a 1% chance of winning, you know, and, and we've seen it time and time again where they go off strategy. We, we saw with Elio at, uh, where, where he could have won, you know, at the season ender at Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we are out of time. So we've already made our picks for Texas. Uh, the, Formula One race in Texas. We can make our picks next week. So I'll give you mm-hmm. guys a moment for a final thought of peace. Uh, at the end of the day, this whole thing of uh, go back to Kyle Larson, the fact that he, at one point he was outside looking in because he was dealing with alternator and battery issues and all of that stuff. The fact he was able to rally back to win kind of shows you where that five team is all together. They rally. They dealt with the adversity super well, and they got the job done. And that is going to be lethal when it matters most come this round and in the finale of Phoenix. All right, Richard, you got a few moments for a final thought of your own. Final thought? It's ages since we've done the final thought. I've forgotten what they are. I know. Um, it's been ages yeah. since we, uh, well, we, we finished up before the deadline, so... Exactly, yeah, we're down on the number of series, aren't we? But uh, uh, what have we got coming up? This we haven't really talked about British Touring Car Final coming up in a, in a couple of weeks um, in the UK at Brands Hatch. That's always good, good watch. You can find some of those highlights on YouTube. Um, some pretty exciting racing there. DTM Final last weekend in in Germany was a absolute screw up. Somebody. One guy took out the, the main, you know, championship contender and, and somebody just waltzed to the championship when it was all a little bit, a bit of a mess there. Again, they're interesting highlights if you can find those on YouTube. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's some, well, you're trying to fill the void of IndyCar. Uh, yeah, you can check those out. Always good for good fun. Always good for good fun. All right. So, speaking of which, we are out of time. So, I want to thank you, Richard and Louise. Appreciate you guys a ton. Uh, one more time, I want to say Godspeed to you, Gray Warren. You were wonderful mm-hmm. to me and Richard and Louise. Uh, uh, I, you know, it's, I'm at a loss for words. So, uh, Gray, I love you, man. Um, yep. I want to thank Who's the Radio Network. I want to thank uh, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us week in and week out. But until next week, 
Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.